This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. In our second show at the half hour, we'll feature the talents of Boris Karloff, who scared the pants off everyone in the 30s and 40s. He'll star in a show called The Wailing Wall on Inner Sanctum. His real name is William Henry Pratt, an English actor who primarily was known for his roles in horror films. He portrayed Frankenstein's monster in Frankenstein, 1931, Bride of Frankenstein, 1935, and Son of Frankenstein in 39, which resulted in his immense popularity. His best-known non-horror role is as the Grinch, as well as the narrator in the animated television special of Dr. Zeus's How the Grinch Stole Christmas in 1966. But first, a visit with Robert Young, who plays Jim Anderson in Father Knows Best, on the radio program, the character of Jim is more sarcastic and shows he really rules over his family. Created by Ed James, Father Knows Best follows the lives of the Andersons, a middle-class family living in the Midwestern town of Springfield. Well, let's hear how the family reacts to the news that Jim might take the whole family to a different locale. Mother, is Maxwell House the best coffee in the whole world? Well, your father says so. And your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by Maxwell House, the coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. From quiet homes and first beginning Out to the undiscovered ends There's nothing worth the wear of winning But laughter and the love of friends No one, we're sure, can dispute the wisdom Of Hilary Bellock's beautiful verse Least of all the Andersons Who live in a white frame house on Maple Street In the fair city of Springfield They have precisely the same views As the esteemed Mr. Bellock But they express them in a slightly different manner Like this isn't it wonderful, Mother? Isn't it the most wonderful thing you've ever heard? Yes, dear, it's wonderful. If only I could still hear the wind in the trees, the larks in the sunshine, the young lambs crying through the healthy frost. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, dear, it's beautiful. And you ought to see the things Billy's doing with the stage. He's going to have real horses and everything. That's very nice, dear. I'm sure everyone will be happy to see real horses. Mommy! Oh, dear. We're in the den, Kathy. Mother, why is it every time I try to tell Mommy, you something... Mommy, you hear what happened? I'm the president. That's fine, dear, but I've told you so many times... Kathy, I was speaking to Mother. But I'm the president. Isn't it wonderful? 
Yes, dear, and I'm sure you'll be the finest president the little vultures have ever had. <laughs> it isn't the little vultures. I don't like them anymore. I started my own club. Mother, if you don't do something about that child... I'm not a child. Kathy, please. I'm the president of The Secret, too, and she's just jealous. Jealous? Huh. Betty. Well, you aren't the president of anything. I'm going to be Joan of Arc. Well, she wasn't the president of anything either. <laughs> Kathy, if you don't listen to me... Mom, hey, Mom. Oh, no. Mom, I made it. Yeah. Mother, I haven't told you even half the thing. And Patty Davis is the vice president. And as soon as we get somebody else to join... Mom, the coach just told me. I'm the manager. She's going to be the treasurer. Kathy. You haven't even heard about the armor. I wasn't supposed to be the manager Betty. for two whole years. And we're going to have a password and everything. But... I want to tell Mother about the armor. But Val Spencer's moving to Plainville that and the coach fair. said... That isn't I was telling Mommy about Kathy. my Kathy, now you wait a minute, Kathy. Right. Mother and I were having a perfectly Betty, wonderful talk about you Stop it! Did you say something, Mom? Yes. I've told you repeatedly, all three of you, that I will not have you acting like little ruffians. Who is acting like a ruffian? You and Kathy come racing into the house, slamming doors. But I had to tell you about the club. It's a good thing your father isn't here. That's all I can say. Mom, you don't seem to understand. I'm going to be the manager of the football team. That's still no reason for you to slam the door, or Kathy either. I didn't slam Kathy. <laughs> you know very well what I mean. Holy cow. Now, may I please finish about Joan of Arc? I suppose so. Why can she tell you about Joan of Arc if we can... Margaret! Margaret! It can't be. It just We're in is here, possible. Daddy! Honey, when did you hear what happened? Dad, I'm going to be the manager. Jumping creepers. Daddy slammed the door and you didn't tell him. Never mind, Kathleen. Margaret, I... Oh, you're all here. Well, that's fine. Wait until you hear what I've got to tell you. Jim, I just finished giving the children a lecture about coming into the house. Honey, how would you like to go to New York? Father! Jim, I wish you'd let me... New York? That's what I said. New York. What do you say? Well, I... Don't know what to say. How can we with the children? The children, too. The whole bunch of us. Daddy! Hey, I can see the Yankees. Father, when are we going? When will we leave? Just a minute now. Not so fast. How does it sound, honey? It sounds wonderful, but how long will we be gone? Margaret, you don't understand. I mean, move to New York for good. For good? Holy cow. <laughs> Jim, you're joking. You mean... Never come back here again? I just had a long talk with Walter Craig on the phone. Jim. It's the very first opening they've had for a district supervisor in 15 years, and they're offering it to me. Think of it, honey. The first one in 15 years. But we have to move to New York. Well, naturally, it's the second district. Of course, we wouldn't have to live right in New York City. I mean, we could live in Westchester or out on... What's the matter with you? With me, dear? With all of you. Father. You don't seem to understand. This is an opportunity that comes once in a lifetime. Well, of course, dear, but, well, it is rather sudden. I don't want to live in New York. Gosh, just when I get to be the manager. Why, I thought you'd be the happiest people in the world. New York is, it's a very exciting city. It's got theaters and dozens of department stores and all kinds of things. 
But we don't know anybody in New York, Father. Well, what's that got to do with it? What good is it living anyplace if you don't know anybody? <laughs> I don't know. I come home with the greatest news any man ever brought to his family and look at you. All we need is a body and we can have a first-class wake. <laughs> I don't want to go to New York. <laughs> Enough. If I thought everybody was going to be so upset about it... Jim, naturally we're going to do whatever you decide's best, but don't you think we ought to talk the whole thing over first? What is there to talk about? Well, after all, this will affect all of our lives. It will improve all of our lives. Oh, sure. Betty, how many shows a year can you see in Springfield? I don't know. In New York, you can see a different show practically every night. But I don't want to see the shows. I want to be in them. Well, they have little theater groups. You can get into one of them. What's going to happen to my club? What club? The Secret Two. <laughs> Patty Davis and I. That's really something to worry about. <laughs> We've got the most wonderful password. And if we go to New York, who'll know it? Dad, I carried water buckets for two whole years. But wouldn't you like to see the Yankees? And the Giants and the Dodgers? Oh, I suppose You'll so. You'll be able but... to see every team in both major leagues, maybe even a World Series. Doesn't that mean anything to you? Well, sure, They've but... They've got pro football teams, the best in the world. They've got... Jim, there's one thing you don't understand. Springfield is our home. I realize that, honey, but it's been my home a lot longer than theirs. I'm 40 years old and I've never lived anywhere but Springfield. What do you want to change now for? <laughs> because everything in the world changes, kitten. Nothing stays still. That's progress. That's advancement. That's the front door. <laughs> Bud? I'll bet they don't have any friends like Joe Phillips in New York. That's what I'll bet. They come 12 to a block. Janie Liggett. Now, don't you start with Janie Liggett. But she's my dearest friend. How can I live next to anybody but Patty Davis? You spend your whole life getting used to people. Betty, you don't seem to realize that I have friends, too. Well? You don't hear me moaning about Hector Smith and Ed Davis and Jim Hathaway, do you? And they're better friends than you'll ever have. Jim, this whole discussion is very silly. It's no such thing. I mean, we're certainly not going to make up our minds this minute. We don't have to make up our minds. I've already told Craig I'd take the job. Father! Jim, how could you? Well, I had no idea you'd feel this way about it. I thought you'd kick up your heels and jump with joy. Ah! <laughs> well, if it isn't a happy little Anderson. Hello, Hector. Come on in. How about me? Ed, what is this, a convention? No, Ed and I just dropped by to... Convention? It's more like a funeral. Hi, Margaret. Oh, Hector. What's everybody laughing about? Ed, it isn't funny. Yeah, so I gather. Daddy got promoted. <laughs> well, why don't we all sit down and have a good cry? <laughs> hey, hey, wait a minute. What did Kathy say? I've been promoted to district supervisor, but... You have? Jim, it's wonderful. Congratulations, pal. I always said they couldn't keep a good man down. Thank you, Hector. Put it there, boy. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Well, 
I'm not so sure about that. Wait till I tell the fellas at the club. My pal Jim Anderson, a district supervisor. Your pal? I live next door to him. Now I can have all my district supervised free of charge. Yeah. I'm busy right now, bud. Oh, it's okay, Jim. We're in no hurry. We want to talk about the setup for the service club dinner, but there's no rush. Well, all right, bud. What is it? Is it okay if I go across the street to see Joe Phillips? I suppose so, if your mother doesn't have any objections. Bud, if you don't mind, I'd like to speak to you and the girls in the kitchen. But I promise, Joe... It'll only take a few minutes, and it's very important. Yes, ma'am. Come along, girls. Mother! Not now, dear. You boys will excuse us, won't you? Oh, sure. Oh, don't pay any attention to us, Margaret. We'll just sit here and look at our old friend, the district supervisor. <laughs> Cut it out, will you, Heck? Cut what out? Hurry up, Kathy, bud. Yes, Mommy. We aren't kidding, Jim. How often do you think we get to look at a district supervisor? Yeah, especially a live one. All right, bud, close the door. Now. Mother, do we really have to go? Can't you tell Daddy we don't want to? When I think of all those water buckets I carried... Just a moment, all of you. This is a very serious problem. And how? And we've got to treat it in a very serious manner. We've got to decide once and for all which is more important to us. Our friends are your father's happiness. But, Mommy, I love Patty so. I know, Angel. It isn't going to be easy for any of us. But there's one thing we mustn't forget. I almost did until Mr. Smith and Mr. Davis made me remember. Your father's worked very hard to make a success for himself and for all of us. Now, he has a chance to take a big step forward... And we mustn't stand in his way. But we're all so happy here. We'll be happy in New York, too. I'll bet. Bud, even if we aren't, we must never let your father know. Well, I can always write to Joe, I suppose. <laughs> of course you can. Why did we have to have a father who was so smart? <laughs> <laughs> He's more than that, Angel. He's just as good as a father can be. He'd give up this promotion in, in two minutes if he thought it was going to make us unhappy. Fathers are like that. What a life. So we've got to play our part. We've got to convince him that we want to go to New York. He's devoted his life to helping us. Now we're going to help him. Aren't we, Betty? Yes, Mother. Bud? Sure. Kathy? Mommy, you know what? What, dear? I hope I never get to be a father. <laughs> Only a few minutes have passed in the white frame house on Maple Street. Just long enough for Jim Anderson to settle miserably on the horns of his dilemma. It's an unhappy seat, and sharing it with him are his two good friends, Hector Smith and Ed Davis. Like this. Boy, it's really a spot to be in, isn't it, Heck? Yeah, you said it. Jim, can't they do anything about it? I mean, can't they transfer somebody or something? I'm afraid not. If I want the job, I've got to go to New York. Thought you said you took it. I did. Well, what's the problem? If you took it, you took it. The problem is that maybe I shouldn't have taken it. I should have talked it over with Margaret first. Look, Jim, if you haven't signed a contract... I gave Craig my word. He's going to call me back and confirm the whole thing any minute. Yeah, but if it isn't definite... It is definite, heck. He's just got to get an okay from Emerson, the big boss. 
but it's just a matter of form. They never interfere with Craig. He'll shake his head yes, and I'll be hooked. It's a fine mess, isn't it? Boy, you never know what's going to happen. We stop in to talk about the service club, and Zowie, we're in a crisis. You know, maybe they won't mind going to New York, the kids, I mean. It isn't a bad place once you get used to it. It isn't New York, heck. It's any place. They don't want to leave here. Their home, their friends. Oh, they'll make new friends. Everybody does, don't they, heck? Sure, they won't have any trouble at all. First thing you know, they'll forget they ever lived in Springfield. I don't believe that. And neither do you. No, but it sounded good. <laughs> Jim... What would happen if you told Craig you changed your mind? Nothing, I suppose. Except that I'd get fired. Oh, he wouldn't do that, would he? Why not? What would you do if you went to your boss, made a big pitch for a guy's promotion, and then the guy turned you down? I'd poke him in the nose. I'd settle for a poke in the nose. You know, I better go home. I told Ethel I'd only be a few minutes. Wait a second. Ed, heck, what do you think I ought to do? Well, it isn't a fair question, Jim. Why not? Because we don't want you to go. That's why not. And anything we tell you, well... He's right, pal. We're two of the most prejudiced guys you ever saw. I don't know. Jim, you and I have been friends for almost 30 years, and I'm giving it to you straight. Don't believe anything I tell you. <laughs> well, that's a great hunk of advice. We're being honest, Jim. We might give you a bum steer. Not that we don't mean well, but... I know that, but look... If I go to New York... Means a lot more money, doesn't it? Eventually, but is it worth it? I mean, is it worth digging my family up by the roots? Tossing them into a whole new way of life? Well, frankly, I don't think so. On the other hand, you know what they say. Whether you're rich or poor, it's always nice to have money. <laughs> He's the practical rover boy. Well, you said yourself you get fired if you turn down the job. That's right, but Cavalier isn't the only insurance company in the world. I can get another job. Now, Jim, don't do anything foolish. Oh, I suppose you want him to go to New York. No, but I don't want him to throw away everything he's worked for. Look, Jim won't have any trouble getting another job, and you know that it. That isn't Heck. the point. Why should he give up a good job for just anything? Maybe he'd get a better job. How do you know? I still Fellas. say he's got to think of his family. And I say he's got to think of himself. Fellas, please, let's not have any arguments. Well, Jim, you make up your own mind. And, and, and anything you decide, we're all for you. Thanks, Egg. I've got to get home. Ethel will have the cops out for me. Well, I'll take you to the door. Oh, don't bother, pal. We know where it is. Well, think it over carefully, Jim, before you do anything. I will, Ed. If you need any help, let us know. Okay, Heck. Fine friend you turned out to be. Well, you don't want him to do anything he shouldn't, do you? Of course not, but I sure hate to see him go. My friends. A big help they turned out to be. Margaret! Just when you get everything nicely organized, a thing like this has to come up. Hello, dear. Have the boys gone? Yes, they uh, had to go home. We've been thinking it over, Father, and we've got wonderful news for you. We sure have. Well, I've been doing a little thinking myself. Daddy, Mommy says they've got an aquarium in New York with all kinds of fish in it. That's right, kitten. But we won't be seeing it for a while. We're going to stay in Springfield. Father! Betty? I mean, Father, we want to go to New York. Really, we do. 
No, you don't. Sure we do, Dad. Don't we, Kathy? Oh, sure. Look at all the things we can do. Like, look at fish. <laughs> I think we'll all be happier here. Jim, we had a long talk. Honey. We really did, Father. And we never realized what a wonderful place New York is. There's nothing wrong with Springfield, is there? No, but gosh, you can live in Springfield your whole life and never get to see the Yankees. Well, what's so wonderful about seeing the Yankees? I saw them once, and Springfield has a better team. But you said I could get to see a World Series. Uh, never mind what I said. Father, will I really be able to see a show every night? Of course not. But you said... You'll still be going to school, and you won't have time to go to shows. I want to go to the aquarium. <laughs> All right, dear. That's enough. Yes, Mommy. <laughs> Jim, as long as the children really want to go... And we do, Father. Yes, sir. Just a minute, all of you. I know exactly what you're doing, and it isn't the least bit necessary. You're putting on this big sacrifice act, and I won't have it. But, Jim, if you told Mr. Craig... Ten minutes ago, you were all screaming about your wonderful friends and how you'd die if you had to leave them. But you said we could get new friends. What's the matter with the ones you have? <laughs> Nothing, but... Don't you want to be the manager of the football team? Well, sure, but... Father, you don't seem to realize what a thing like this can do to your psyche. <laughs> My, uh, what? What Betty means, dear, is that you convinced us all that... We should go to New York, and now... I'm beginning to feel like a yo-yo. <laughs> Margaret. I don't even know what an aquarium looks like. Honey, I'm trying to tell you, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Oh, no, Father, you couldn't. We were the ones who were wrong. Look, I'll put it this way. I don't want to go to New York. Why, Jim, after you've worked so hard... I don't want to leave my friends. But you said that wasn't important. You'll make lots of other friends, Daddy. I don't want any other friends. I'm satisfied with Hector Smith and Ed Davis. Huh. They come 12 to a block. <laughs> look, bud. Father, can you imagine living in a city that has 12 department stores? Betty. The clothes we'll be able to buy. That's another thing. We can't afford to live in New York City. The cost of living is higher. Food is higher. Taxes are higher. The buildings are higher. <laughs> oh, bud. I want to see the Empire State Building. Jim, we understand. You don't understand. I've lived in Springfield all my life. I've been very happy here, and I don't want to leave. Mother. In just a moment, dear. Jim, you've dreamed for so many years of a chance just like this. You can't throw it away now. Why can't I? Wouldn't be fair to any of us. Honey, you saw what happened tonight. I belong with people like Hector and Ed. We understand one another. We're friends. Twelve to a block. <laughs> what was that? Oh, I, uh, I was just uh, thinking, Dad. Why is it you always remember the wrong things? <laughs> I was just saying what you said. Jim. Can't you understand what I'm trying to tell you? I'm the president of the service club. I'm a member of the Chamber of Commerce. I'm on the Greens Committee of the Country Club. Are those things really important, dear? Of course they are. Not because of any glory or any special prestige. They're important because they mean that I belong. That we all belong. 
that we're a living, breathing part of our community. And that's very important. It's the most important thing in life. Jim, are you really serious? Of course I'm serious. You mean you don't want to go to New York? That's precisely what I mean. Oh, Father, you're wonderful. Yeah! So, that was an act you were putting on, wasn't it? Well, sort of. I wasn't putting on any act. I want to see the aquarium. Oh, why don't you keep still? (laughs) Jim, there's one thing that bothers me. What are you going to tell Mr. Craig? Well, we'll take care of that when it comes up. Father, is it really all settled? Are we going to stay here? Yes, Betty, right here where we belong. Isn't it wonderful, Mother? Now I can be Joan of Arc. And I can be the manager. And I can be the president. Jim, I'm still worried about Mr. Craig. There isn't anything to worry about, honey. I'll tell him something. After all, the worst he can do is fire me. That's what I'm afraid of. I can get another job. Sure he can, Mom. Mr. Crandall needs somebody to deliver prescriptions. (laughs) Jim, maybe we're making a mistake. Honey, after we've got it all settled... But if you have to start all over again... Father, it's for you. That's probably Craig. Uh, I'll be right there, Betty. Jim, see if you can't turn the job down diplomatically. I'll do everything I can, believe me. I think it's long distance, Father. Thank you, Betty. Hello? Uh, Yes, this is James Anderson. Thank you. Uh, Why don't you go back to the kitchen, dear? Okay. Good luck, Father. I'll need it. Hello? Oh, hello, Mr. Craig. I was just telling my family about... Well, that's what I want to discuss. You see... Well, we all felt... Oh? But if I... But I tried to... Well, if it's definite... Okay, if that's the way it's got to be. Well, that's all right, Mr. Craig. Yeah, I understand. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Good night. The nerve of him. The unmitigated nerve of the man. Jim, what is it? What happened? Margaret, do you know what that man Emerson did? Who? The president of Cavalier. After all Craig said to me, Emerson gave the job to his (laughs) brother-in-law. It's breakfast time in Springfield, and the Andersons, as usual, are packing it away. Crises may come, and crises may go, but breakfast goes on forever, like this. I'm not very hungry this morning, Mom. Maybe I'll only have three eggs. (laughs) All right, dear. Don't you feel well, bud? Oh, it isn't anything. It's just that, well, I was thinking about the Yankees. If we lived in New York... Bud... Janie Liggett says she has thousands of friends in New York, and they all say... I don't care what they say. May I have my coffee, Margaret, please? Of course, dear. There you are. Thank you. Fine friend Patty Davis turned out to be. She's going to be a little vulture again. You haven't touched your cereal, Kathy. I wish we did move to New York. I'd show her and all the other vultures. 
When I think of all those beautiful department stores and all those wonderful dresses. May I have the cream and sugar, please? What are you kicking about? I could have seen the Yankees and the Giants and the Dodgers. May I please have the cream and sugar? Oh, dear, I mustn't forget to call Elizabeth Smith. again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargie and the Maxwell House Orchestra. In our cast were Ted Donaldson as Bud, June Whitley, Rhoda Williams, Norma Jean Nilsson, Herb Bygren, Barney Phillips, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Dragnet, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Stay tuned for Inner Sanctum, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Inner Sanctum. Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries, starring Boris Karloff. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host. To welcome you through the squeaking door into the land of ghosts, vampires, and other gay, hilarious people. Friends, are you looking for an apartment? Well, we have just the place for you. It's sturdily built, completely of marble, with cold running water every time it rains. You don't have to worry about the landlord putting you out. The lease is forever. All you have to do to get this little love nest is call your undertaker and get yourself a little bit dead. <laughs> Mr. Host, I assure you, no one is the least bit interested in your offer. But, Mary, just think. Once you're dead, you can appear on Inner Sanctum. You know, we always have a ghost in our story, someone whose voice comes back from the grave and gives advice to our characters. Yeah, sometimes I think our theme song should be, My Mummy Done Told Me. <laughs> well, that's very funny. <laughs> but you know, Mr. Host, talking about voices coming back, that's what happened to me the other day. I heard my own voice coming back to me on the radio while I was eating breakfast. No. Yes. I just heard the new Lipton jingle, and then I heard myself. Yes, there I was, talking about Inner Sanctum and about Lipton Tea, too. Hmm. You see, it was a record, uh, an electrical transcription that I'd made, all about Lipton's brisk flavor, how Lipton's always tastes fresh and full-bodied, never wishy-washy. And you know what? There was a man on the record who talked almost like you, Mr. Host. An imposter. I'll kill him. Oh, it was just in fun. He made spooky remarks when I talked about Lipton tea. <laughs> but I did get a chance to say that Lipton's is the largest selling brand of tea in the whole world. All right, Mary. You've had your chance. And I'll make room for the creepiest voice you ever heard. 
The curdling kid himself, the star of stage, screen, and radio, Boris Karloff. Tonight's story is called The Wailing Wall. It's an original radio play by Milton Lewis. You'll hear Boris Karloff in the role of Gabriel Hornell. All set, friends. Then turn out the lights, curdle close to the fire, and listen. Night. And on the waterfront of downtown Manhattan, the fog creeps in like a crawling cloud. Tucked in between the towering skyscrapers, there's an old rundown mansion. An anachronism. A freak among the streamlined giants. It's the Hornell home. And tonight, leaping tongues of flame from behind the black shutters. That's it, Johnny. Is there anybody in that old dump? It's an old guy lives there, don't you? Gabriel Harnell. He'll be had sense enough to get out. That place is like a tinderbox. Yeah, and pretty well gone. Hey, get that horse. Hey, there is someone in there. Get the action. Come on. I'm right behind you. What? Get out of the way. Hurry, will you? I knocked it off. All right, come on in. You see anyone in there? No. We can't stay. Hey, there he is. Oh, the crazy cootie didn't even have sense enough to get out. Here. Grab a short there. Don't hook me. We're just taking you out. I don't want to go out. He ain't asking you what you want. Come on, Johnny. Before this joint collapses. Oh, take me out. I can't leave the house. Good evening, Mr. Hornell. I hope you're feeling... Mr. Hornell? Mr. Harnell. <gasps> the head nurse. And hurry. Hello? Hello, this is Nurse Hopkins on the 18th floor. Gabriel Harnell is not in his room. The window is open from the bottom. It, there's a letter. I know, but I'm sure he's not alive. Oh, the, the letter? Yes, I'll, I'll read it to you. Uh... To whom it may concern. By the time you read this, I shall be dead. There can be no mistake this time. Death holds no fear, no terror any greater than what I've endured in life. For the past 40 years, I've searched for freedom. I hope now I've found it. Even now, as I write, I can hear her voice calling to me as she did that night years ago. I'd prepared everything while she was in bed. Just the last few minute little details had to be completed. Gabriel! Gabriel, do you hear me? What do you want? What are you doing down there? I'm... I'm fixing something. Well, why don't you come up? I don't want to be alone here. I can't bear to be alone. Come up, Gabriel. With you. Why don't you answer me? Oh, you're just doing it for spite. I know you are. Stop that hammering, Gabriel. You know I can't bear that noise. Now stop it, please. Gabriel, will you stop that noise? Oh. You came down. Well, of course I came down. Did you expect me to lie there while all this racket was going on? Now, you know I'm a sick woman, Gabriel. What are you doing there, anyhow? You can see. Well, yes, I can see, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, you've made a huge gaping hole in the wall. Now, what on earth did you want to do a thing like that for? You'll find out soon enough. And and what are all those things? 
Stonemason's tools, cement, plaster. Well, I never dreamed you knew how to use them. Oh, I'm going back to bed. No, Agnes. No? No. Gabriel, that rope in your hands. Yes. I've thought carefully about this rope, Agnes. It's the most merciful way. It leaves a little trace since there's no blood. Gabriel! You won't make it difficult, will you, Agnes? Murder? It's the only way. No, Gabriel! We couldn't go on like this. Your imaginary illnesses, your constant nagging. I, I have to be free of them, Agnes. But murder? This is best for both of us. No, Gabriel. Send me away. Do anything you want. You can get a divorce. A divorce there, see? That would solve everything. You could have your freedom. Stand there, Agnes. Just as you are. I know. That other woman, Dorothy Carter, that actress. That's why you're doing this. Oh, you thought I didn't know about that, Gabriel. Well, I do. Yes, I do. No. No, let go of me. That rope. Help somebody. It will be done in a minute. Done? Oh, you'll never be free of me. As long as you live. yellow eyes. The cat saw me take her body to the tomb I'd made in the wall. The cat saw me place her there and carefully seal it up. I work quickly, skillfully, with infinite care. First the bricks, one on top of the other, then the plaster. Then the wallpaper to match the rest of the room. That wasn't very difficult. In a short time, it was done. I was free. Now was to go to the police and report her missing. It was even simpler than I'd thought. I put on the coat. I was about to open the front door when I heard it for the first time. I thought it must be my imagination. I listened carefully. I rushed to the wall, put my ear to it. What I heard made icy perspiration ooze out of every pore of my body. The wail was coming from the wall. It was like the insane shriek of some creature of another world. Was she alive in there? She couldn't be. She was dead. I knew she was dead. And yet I heard her voice wailing. I could swear it was her voice. I couldn't go out as I'd planned. What if someone else should hear it? Would they go to the wall, investigate? The doorbell. Oh, it couldn't be at this hour. It couldn't be, but... I'm sorry to disturb you, Mr. Hornell. It was Patrolman Cleary. He was the officer on the beat. He was blue with cold. I was passing by and I saw the lights on. I peeked in the window. You... you looked in? Yes. Since you were still up, I thought I'd ring. It's a bit of cold out tonight and I'd like to warm these old bones for a minute. Oh, yes. Yes, of course, Cleary. Don't stand there in the door, man. Come in. Come in. Thank you. I see you got your coat on, Mr. Arnell. You just got in? Only only a few moments ago. As a matter of fact, I, I was going to see you. See me? Why, yes. It's it's about my wife. Hi, something wrong? I I hope not. I was out all evening. When I got home, she was gone. 
It's not like her, Miss Darnell. No, it, it isn't. Was she alone all evening? Yes, I, at least I think she was. You know, she hasn't been feeling very well lately, and I... Oh, I, I hate to think it possible, but, but she may have destroyed herself. Mrs. Arnell? No, she wasn't a sort. Oh, she was ill, terribly ill. I tried to keep it secret until she recovered, but the doctors knew. Insane? Yes. Don't you see? The river. I'd better get back to the precinct and report this. You'd better come with me. Missing Persons Bureau will... Mr. O'Neill. Yes? You must be mistaken. Isn't that her? That... That isn't a woman. Of course it is. She's coming from that room there. Sure, it's your wife. I know her voice and she sounds like she's in pain. But it can't be. There's no one in that room. But she must have come in the back way. Come, I'll show you. No, don't go in. Huh? Nothing. No. There. You can see for yourself there's no one here. No one. I could have sworn your wife was in this room. How'd you like to live in a house with wailing walls? Well, one thing you have to admit, things aren't so very dead in the Hornell mansion. Or are they? Well, all I can say is I'm glad I don't have to live in that house with that awful wailing. Why, Mary, there's a wailing, whistling kind of noise in your house, too. The first time I heard it, I was so scared, I shivered in my shroud. What? Oh, you're talking about my whistling tea kettle. Oh, goodness, there's nothing scary about that. Now, if you'd only try Lipton tea with its wonderful brisk flavor, that whistle would sound as cheery to you as birds whistling in the morning. Especially on these chilly mornings when a cup of Lipton's just makes you feel like the sun was shining inside of you. And folks, if you want a sunny disposition, you should try relaxing with a cup of Lipton tea after a hard job like, well, maybe washing out your window curtains. Yes, and what's more, you can help your friends feel right with the world, too, by serving them Lipton tea when they come to visit you. Mmm, Lipton's always taste so tangy and heartwarming, never flat or wishy-washy. Yes, that brisk flavor makes all the difference in the world. All right, friends, we've given you a chance to warm your blood... And now we fondly hope to turn it to ice again. With the help of our star, Boris Karloff. Oh, let's hear the second act of Inner Sanctum. We continue with the strange letter left by Gabriel Hornell. Here he watched in silent fascination as the cat screamed and leaped against the wall. Would he notice the new wallpaper in the dim light? Suddenly, the policeman turned to me. Yes, I... I guess that noise is only the wind. Strange how like a wailing woman it can sound, isn't it? Yes. Well, I'll be leaving now. I guess it'll be all right for you to stay here. I'll make a report at headquarters about your wife. It's very good of you, Cleary. If she turns up, you let us know? Yes, I, I'll let you know. Good night, Mr. O'Neill. Good night. He left. I locked the door and came back to the room. The room where my wife was entombed. Was she still alive inside the hollow of that wall? I listened all that night. The wailing rose to a high, insane shriek. And then, towards morning, it began to grow weaker, as though she were losing strength. And it seemed to die. The cat. 
There was a merciful silence in the house. She was dead. She had to be by now. I sank down onto the sofa into a feverish sleep. Somewhere a bell was tolling, calling the mourners to the grave. Suddenly I sat bolt upright, shaking, trembling. I'd been dreaming. The front doorbell was ringing. It was night again. How long had I slept? The house was silent. There was nothing to fear now. I ran to the door, opened it. Hiya, kiddo. Dorothy. Well, are you going to keep me out here in the cold? No, no. Come in. Come in. I haven't been... I haven't been feeling well, Dorothy. Is that why you forgot our date tonight? I, I must have overslept. What time is it? Ten o'clock. Ten? I must have slept clear through the day. Well? Aren't you glad to see me? Glad? Why, yes, it's a... It's a delightful surprise. Well, that's more like you. Come here, kiddo. You've got the blues, but Dorothy will wipe them away. Give us a kiss. What? What's that? Just... Just the wind. Oh, no, it can't be the wind. This is a very old house, Dorothy. You sometimes hear strange noises. Oh, I've never heard anything like that before. It sounds human. Was she still alive, even after 24 hours? Suddenly I realized that the doorbell was ringing again. There was a large pair of wooden sliding panel doors between the room that we were in and the vestibule that led to the street. I wasn't going to take any more chances. There's someone at the door, Gabe. Yes. You wait here, Dorothy. What are you doing? Closing these doors. Why? I'd advise you not to ask too many questions. Evening, Mr. O'Neill. Officer Cleary. Who are those men with you? Hey, I've got something to show you, Mr. O'Neill. You'd better brace yourself. It's not going to be pleasant. All right, bring it in, boys. You can put it over there. What? What is it? It's a... body. A woman. Just fished out of the river right near here. She can't be dead more than 24 hours. My wife? That's hard to say. You see, the body got caught in the propeller of a boat. It's not easy to recognize it. Unless it was examined by someone who knew her very well. Like yourself, of course. Uh, Let me see it. Take away the burlap. Look, Mr. O'Neill. I know. It's pretty bad. Is... Is it your wife? Agnes? Yes. Yes, of course. It's... It's her. You sure now? Yes, I... I'm sure. Positive. All right, boys. Take it away. You can stay here, Mr. Arnett. I'll take care of everything down at headquarters. Good night. Good night, Cleary. Luck. 
fate, whatever it is that seemed to control men's lives, was playing directly into my hands. They'd never investigate now. The nightmare was over. This time I was really free. Suddenly, the panel door opened. Dorothy was standing there. A curious smile on her lips. I heard everything, kiddo. You did? So you were married. No longer, Dorothy. My wife died. Suicide. So I heard. Now everything will be quite all right and we can get married in a few weeks. We'll have money, lots of money. She left you plenty, eh? She was very wealthy. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing? (laughs) I see what happens to your face when you hear that wail. Did you kill her? What are you talking about? Did you murder her? You heard what he said. She was found in the river. You can fool a dumb copper, but you can't fool Dorothy. That whale. It's queer. Awfully queer. Look at what that cat's doing, will you? Jumping up on that wall like it's gone crazy. Yes, there's something about that wall. That's what the cat's trying to tell me. Something about the wall. You better stay away from there, Dorothy. I'm going to find out something. Yeah, put that book down. Not till I'm done with it, kiddo. What are you doing there? I'm going to break it through that wall. You crazy fool, stop it. No! Here, give me that thing. You're too late, Gabe. I've broken a hole through and I'm going to look. Now you've seen. Yes. Is it the hand? The hand of a woman. It's... It's her. Your wife. Yes, Dorothy. You murdered her. Yes. Well, ain't you the kid? What are you going to do about it? What do you think? I want money. Lots of... That... That rope. Yes. This rope. <sighs> it leaves no telltale traces. Oh, no, no, kid. I, d- d- didn't you get it? It was all a joke. No, d- don't come any closer. Don't scream, Dorothy. It won't do you any good. Gabe, listen to me. I, I don't want a cent. Not, not one penny. I love you. I love you, I tell you. I... I'll keep your secret. I'll do anything you want. Anything. There's that rope. Take it away from my neck. Don't give it the name of heaven. Don't, don't breathe. She was dead. I took her body, put it in an old trunk in the storeroom of the cellar. I had to think of some plan, some way to get rid of those bodies. In my confusion, there was only one thing that I was certain of. I must never leave the house, not even for a minute. I never did. At nights, I would sit there, listening. Then it would come, the wail in the wall. I knew that after a week, she couldn't be alive. What made the wail? Plans? I thought of a thousand plans, but all of them would mean that I had to leave the house, and if I left, someone would hear the wail and find out, just as Dorothy did. Fire. Yes, fire. That would do it. The idea danced like a flame in my mind. But no, no. They discovered charred bones of the skeletons among the wreckage. No, it, it wouldn't be worth it. The only way I could be safe was to stay there in the house. I stayed. I, who had risked everything for freedom. 
One day, the doorbell tinkled. I opened it. Mr. Harnell? Yes? I'm Mr. Crawford from the bank. May I come in? Just in here, in the vestibule. We've written to you a dozen times, but you've never replied. What do you want? Well, Mr. Hornell, you may not realize it, but you've overdrawn your account. The money your wife left is gone. Gone? So short a time? So short? Why, she died 40 years ago. 40? It seems only yesterday. We've been investigating. Even the grocer who used to supply your food no longer will extend you credit. What do you want with me? I'm not starving. If you'd see your face, you'd realize that you are, Mr. Hornell. Now, if you'll only be reasonable, we can see to it that you get $250,000. A quarter of a million? How? By selling this house, it's become very valuable. No. You get out of here. Get out. But, Mr. Hornell... Get out! Very well. He was right. I was starving. That night, when I heard the wailing begin again, I came to a decision. I, I had spent 40 years in the house. More punishment than criminals receive who've committed even worse crimes than mine. I'd take a chance. I opened the wall I'd sealed up 40 years ago. She, she was still there. But the wailing continued. Why, why? into the tomb I made for her. And then I saw it. I saw this thing that had ruined my life. It was a tiny hole in the outside wall that I'd made when I first broke it open. The wind rushed through and made that horrible wail. What was the use? I took a match out of my pocket. I said it's flame to the curtains. In a moment, the place would be an inferno. I decided to stay. I wanted to perish with the house. In death, at least I'd be free. But even then, freedom was denied me. They rescued me. Brought me to this hospital. I had the nurse make inquiries from the police. She told me. No, there was nothing unusual found among the ashes. Everything was burned to a fine powder. If... If I had only set fire to the house 40 years ago. But no matter. The window is open. And it's 18 stories to the ground. I will soon be free. Meow! (laughs) Everybody's dead but the cat. We overlooked him because we couldn't find him. Of course, I'm sorry... But that wall made such an unpleasant noise, such a tuneless wailing. We tried to teach her to whistle the new Lipton Tea jingle, but we didn't have time, eh, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> now, you just stop teasing me, because I'm not going to talk about the Lipton jingle, no. No, and I'm not going to talk about Lipton Tea, either. Instead, the Lipton people want me to remind you folks about something important. I mean the victory loan drive. You know, friends, we've been buying bonds for many years now. But this drive is in some ways the most important. Because if a job is worth doing, then it's worth finishing. 
The bonds you buy now won't buy weapons. No, this time the money will help bring our boys home. It will also help take care of our wounded soldiers, provide them with the finest medical care in the world. And, friends, we can certainly do no less. And the victory bonds you buy now will help launch our veterans into a safe and secure post-war world, the kind of world they've been fighting for. Yes, you're helping others and yourself, too, every time you buy a victory bond. So buy all you can, won't you? All right, friends. Until we meet at some haunted house, here's a parting thought. Don't seal your wife in a wall. That won't keep her quiet. <laughs> oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is Devil in the Bush by Matthew Head. Yes, and next week's Inner Sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown, and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a man who gets hunches. His hunches are about death. He's sure he's going to be killed, not by poison or fire or strangling. Nothing simple like that. No, our character has a nice, interesting death waiting for him. Oh, if you'd like to be in at the death, drop in next Tuesday. <laughs> and now it's time to close the squeaking door, so good night. Pleasant dreams? <laughs> the colder it gets, the more we all enjoy a good hot plate of soup. And for soup with a fresh, home-cooked taste, you can't beat Lipton's noodle soup. Yes, Lipton's is blessed with a real chickeny flavor, and it's just swimming with tender golden egg noodles. But listen, Lipton noodle soup takes almost no time at all to prepare. And Lipton's is economical, too. Costs less and makes lots more than canned soups. So don't forget to try Lipton's noodle soup... And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dennis Day, followed by Escape Theater. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.